Okay, thank you, and very thank you very much for joining us today. This is Leah Freeberg from Fluke Reliability, and you are joining us for a best practices webinar. You probably know Fluke is a test tools provider, and you may know that we also produce some of the industry's favorite reliability tools, from in infrared cameras to vibration meters. But you may not know that many of the measurements that our tools collect now flow automatically into EAM systems of record. It happens via a framework that we call Fluke Connect. Our goal at Fluke Reliability is to better connect asset management data and teams with asset management systems to drive connected knowledge. And of course, that knowledge depends greatly on best practices in condition-based maintenance. So that's why this series of webinars explores reliability maintenance strategies. That's why we feature speakers from a variety of expert backgrounds. Before the presentation, however, we have a few housekeeping items to go over. Today's session is being recorded, so your phone lines are muted to minimize background noise. We will be answering questions both during the presentation and afterward during Q&A. Take a minute now to find the questions tool in the GoToWebinar dashboard. Feel, please feel welcome to submit questions as we go. I will share as many of your questions as time allows for our presenter to answer. If we have unanswered questions at the end, we'll follow up with written answers. And if you'd like to receive the slides from today's presentation, please let us know during the survey that will appear at the end of today's session. So don't hang up until the survey appears and you've answered those questions. We're also happy to send you a certificate of attendance after today's webinar. You'll see a question on the survey about getting a certificate. Answer yes and we'll send one to you. Lastly, a recording of this webinar in full will be available on the Excelix.com website within a day or two. And that's it for housekeeping. Now for the main event. Today, we are very pleased to have with us Michael Watson, a product application expert from Fluke Reliability with decades of field experience. He'll be presenting on how connected thermography builds sustainable asset health management. Michael is a product application specialist for Fluke Reliability, focusing on the company's technician tools and condition monitoring product lines. Michael brings more than 25 years of experience in technician effectiveness, product service engineering, and operations in the US and global locations. He's a certified maintenance and reliability professional, CMRP, and a certified reliability leader, CRL, and is a thermal infrared thermography level one certified. Michael holds a mechanical engineering degree from the University of Illinois in Urbana. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you, Leah. Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. And thank you for the, the kind introduction, Leah. Absolutely. I am really looking forward to this because what you're talking about today is so key to the whole mission, really, of Fluke Reliability. But before you get started, I have a question for you. Um, so both you and I were around uh, when thermography first became more widely available for maintenance to use. Um, and it was a really, really big deal. And the, but the change in the cameras since then has been tremendous, you know, from ease of use to size to accuracy to cost. But do you think the usage models have also changed? Oh, geez. Yeah, great question. So, yeah, certainly the cost of thermography technology has, like, like so much technology, has, has decreased over time, which, of course, reduces hurdles for company in ROI investment. But I think the real key recently is software. The, uh, the you know, the software and, and particularly leveraging the cloud for storing images, uh, EAM systems, CMS systems, Leveraging software to 
to use if, and bring in predictive maintenance and asset health management. So, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of changes in the software, and, and actually today we'll, we'll go through some of those changes and how um, using software can help build a program. Fantastic. Well, I will hand it over to you. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, there we go. So at Fluke Reliability, you know, I, I get to, I have a fascinating job. Um, I get to spend time every day working with clients, uh, wide variety of industries and applications. But it, it's always, and I, I love talking about, you know, start with what are the outcomes? How do we drive maintenance outcomes? And so today's webinar, we're going to talk about putting together a connect, connected thermography program for asset health, asset management. Um, but we're going to be, but we're going to be talking about, in particular, qualitative asset screening and use cases for electrical, mechanical process systems. We're going to share some insights about connected thermography, go through the key steps of putting a program together, but also, what are some of the key things to make sure the program is sustainable? And of course, we'll have some type in for questions at how uh, asset management with connected thermography can help your team. And then let's well, let's start with the poll question here, which um, kind of give us uh, me a little bit of insight as to where our audience is at today. Uh, the question is, I think, Leah, you can put it up. Are you currently using thermography in your asset health management? And I know that this question can be interpreted a couple different ways, but you only get to select one answer. So yes you are using thermography in your asset health management program that can be either in-house folk or a service team. Not yet, but we are actively planning to use it in the future. We are still deciding on whether to use it or we have no plans to use thermography. And uh, you guys are doing great. We already have three quarters of the audience who voted. So clearly you are all over this topic. So I'm going to give it another five seconds or so and uh, then I'll share the results with everyone and um, get kind of a state of the industry here. All right, and closing it now and sharing the results. So we have 64% of the audience, Michael, is using thermography, fantastic. We have 17% who are not currently using it but actively planning to, 15% who are deciding, and 4% who have no plans to use it. What do you think? Okay. Well, gee, I, I'm impressed. Well, thank you, guys. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining today's webinar. I, my my expectation, I would have, I would have expected, and I guess what I typically, you know, where I'm brought into discussion is more like uh, one third, one third, one third, where people active program want to improve it, not yet, or they're considering it. So. Uh, Roughly two thirds of this audience has some level of engagement with thermography. That's um, that, that's that's tremendous. And um, so yeah, and so then that that I guess that helps me me think a little bit. And and certainly, um, you know, when we before we talk about asset health management, what I want to uh, you know. Take a, take a bit of a high level view of uh, what we see all the time. And, you know, maintenance operations, reactive, preventative, predictive, 
those strategies, in most cases, they, they'll coexist on a given plan. I mean, you certainly have some assets that, you know, reactive is the right strategy. But moving towards predictive maintenance as a strategy, it's, it's, a, it's a worthy goal. When it's done right, it delivers a step change in contribution, but it isn't always as easy and it always, isn't always a set process on how and what to measure. Uh, especially thermography, this becomes a bit of a challenge. So it, it's all about identifying where you are in the journey and uh, identifying a realistic time frame to move to a predictive state. To, in today's webinar, you know, we're going to be covering some of the key steps and principles, and and these principles can apply no matter where you are in that journey, whether you're wanting to get into predictive maintenance and you don't know where to start or you've got some views and and some you're 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 somewhere in the process or even equally if you're already doing thermography and you want to take it to the next level and of course gee we are in 2020 um this year caught most of us off guard and now more than ever we have you know demands for flexibility in work we got remote work in many cases um and in fact the survey showed only 15 percent of organizations are operating at status quo and and a majority of organizations are currently looking at how they can use connectivity to improve maintenance work especially with with certain key resources remote you know, we are in a bit of uncharted waters here. Uh, in many cases, you got some operations running with limited staff. Other cases, you've got uh, a complete new work stream of sanitation and cleaning added. And maintenance reliability professionals may be limited to travel to facilities. So reporting, KPIs, stand-up meetings are all, you know, they're, they, they're not, they, they've had to be transformed. Um, to become, in many cases, a virtual meeting. This year is all about reprioritizing work and changing environment. And while calendar-based inspections are still heavily used, collecting data, reviewing scheduled service, I would suggest, and we're going to spend some time here talking about a sustainable asset health management program that will really put you in a better position to handle changes in business cycles, and disruptions in, in people. Now, implementing condition-based maintenance or asset health management at a facility is always planted in the field of good intentions. Many organizations fail to harvest the benefits because they did not build a sustainable program. A key person may leave the organization. I know I've heard that multiple times. One, one of the I met with one of the companies in the Houston area and the maintenance manager complained that they twice had a failure of their program because they got the predictive maintenance team trained and up and running. And then a key person left the organization, went to another team. Or it can be a perfect storm of operational challenges that that causes the program to stumble or you're your technicians on the PDM team get pulled off to work on a special project. 
there's a book, Leading Change, by Dr. John Cotter. And he reports that 70% of all major improvement projects will fail. And then a plant services magazine random poll of 200 organizations. The organization, 65% of respondents rated their asset condition maintenance program as in need of improvement or ineffective. And only 17% of them responded their program was effective or highly effective. So we're gonna talk about people process technology with connected thermography in condition-based asset health management, selecting the right camera, reviewing some of the principles and managing the data and decision, leveraging the capability of your EAM CMS system, and then sustainability, the team culture, communication, building knowledge, lean principles, continuous improvement. In thermography, it is one of the key technologies. We've all seen this PF curve before. Driving improvements and reliability involve performing maintenance at the right time. Understanding asset conditions critical to knowing when maintenance is reformed. You know, when we think of you know like the what well, like the what is it Nolan Heath and and you know we've heard that time-based maintenance that so many downtime events are random in nature and I and I go I'd offer to you you know the iron. The assets, they're trying to tell you a story. You just need to listen and you need to have the right technology to understand what it's trying to tell you. Because, because I mean, iron just doesn't automatically say it's November 4th and I'm not happy, I'm gonna to fail today. It's, there is an issue that's causing that asset degradation. And so understanding that PF curve and the time scale it helps us understand how do we set up a screening schedule to detect heat-related issues or asset degradation. And to get started, there are industry publications, in some cases, industry regulations provide guidance on the screening interval. You wanna start with a baseline, assets in green condition or good condition, and think through what's yellow, what's red. And this PFP, it does help us on inspection frequency. And for, for example, I know there's a, document Electric Power Research Institute has recommended inspection intervals of two years for a, a motor with a PF curve time or PF time of four years in a steady state indoor application. It goes on to outline if that motor observes machine vibration, you want to cut that inspection in half to one year. Intermittent operation increases risk of corrosion and insulation degradation. So you cut that insulation in half again for six months. And if it's outdoors or in a high moisture environment, additional corrosion risk, you cut that inspection in half again or three months. So we need to be aware that for a similar asset, let's say it's a 50 horsepower motor, the thermography inspection interval, the, 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 the PDM interval could be anywhere from three months to two years. And so this is, this is a point where then your EAM CMS system becomes a key to keeping track of assets, performing maintenance, performing asset screening at the right time. A, so you don't miss things, and B, so you're not you're, you're not inspecting things too often. You, you want to make it an efficient program. 
And then the other tool to think through and put the tomography program together is the uh, your asset criticality. You want to prioritize your work based uh, prioritize your work around the assets and the resources and the assets in you know the, the maintenance team. Building an asset health management program starts with criticality. What are the failure modes? You can match the failure modes with the technology. Thinking thermally about failure modes that can be detected with thermography because of increased temperatures. Fishbone diagrams, failure modes, in fact, criticality analysis are all tools that can help us in putting that program together. Thermography is simply a detection of radiant heat. As mechanical components wear, heat is generated. Thinking thermally provides, you know, I'll show some examples later about tank levels, deposits, gaps in insulations. And failure modes affect criticality analysis. Also, don't forget, you want to select the small stuff. Don't forget about some of those ignored assets. You know, in an extrusion process, a cooling water feed pump may be a simple device. But if that pump goes down, your entire extrusion process shuts down. In machining centers, in, in metalworking, a scrap conveyor is under the floor. And quite honestly, it's noisy, it's dirty. Nobody wants to go down there. But if that scrap conveyor goes down, you know, potentially a quarter of your facility will go down. Quick thermography inspection for loose connections, corrosion, temperature differences will help keep your plant running. It'll help keep those, some of those ignored assets from becoming a problem child. And actually, and that's where you want to think about not just the assets, but also what are the consequences of failures? How likely is the degradation to be detected? What's the impact on safety um, in the environment or production? And in some cases, you know, a simple solution is the best solution. I once worked with a client with a laminating process. They had multiple heating elements in their process and they were asking about how we could set up um, thermal monitoring of their process. And as I worked with them, as I understood their process, you know, a heating element fails, it, it had multiple elements in their process. If one fails, it resulted in quality problems. And so instead of a fixed installation with multiple thermography cameras, a simpler approach was a single thermography camera having an operator-driven reliability where they check the, uh, the laminating heads at the beginning of each shift and use that to detect when an element goes out and avoid the quality problems. So again, there's in many cases there could be reference industry publications or you know you can reach out to our team at Fluke Reliability and we can help you put a program together. Now once you've determined what assets are part of the program, the technology question becomes, what's the right camera? You know, my first experience with thermography was over 20 years ago. It was a, a physically large camera, it cost over $60,000. And today there's cameras that are less than $1,000. In selecting a camera for your thermography program, you first wanna make sure of the temperature capability of the, 
you know, what are the assets, what are their operating temperature, and not only what are their operating temperature, but what temperature do they reach when they're in alarm condition? You know, if you got a refractory that um, if there's an insulation breach, you know, we'll be able to correctly understand how how big of a breach is that insulation issue. And also distance and safety. Think of electrical hazards. There's rotating equipment. You know, using a thermography camera, we want the technician to be safe. So how, you know, how can they, you know, how far away are they from the object to take a quality image? Overhead drive motors can be 15, 20, 30 feet in the air. 40 volt electrical panels have arc flash requirements. It's a best practice in electrical cabinets to have two people performing an inspection. One person with all the uh, required PPE that opens the panel, and then the thermography technician is outside the arc flash zone with minimal PPE so that he can safely operate the camera. And if you think about that, then you know, a wire inside an electrical cabinet, it could be a three millimeters, eighth inch diameter. Variants on a conveyor can be small in size. So in addition to safety and distance, you know, think about detector spot size. To make an accurate measurement, the field and view distance spot ratio, you need to confirm where you can have three de temperature detectors on that object. That way you'll make sure that one of those three has a quality temperature reading. It's not potentially has some, some background shadow in it. Measurement boxes, spot temperatures, voice and text notes, they all improve the reporting capability and by capturing the context in an image. And then camera focus. In thermography, an out-of-focus image is out-of-focus. And candidly, you lose, you lose valuable insights. Focus of a thermography image is the only thing that cannot be adjusted down the road. Camera focus capability has a direct impact on the training needs of the team. Each has its advantages, you know, fixed focus, um, manual focus, autofocus. Image storage, think about are the images stored in the camera on somebody's laptop or desktop PC or in the cloud? All Fluke cameras have Fluke Connect cloud images, uh, cloud storage for images, which allows sharing across an organization. And we recommend this is really important to help build knowledge of your organization. It's not a, the images aren't stored in somebody's laptop computer. And then software for reports. You want a software that's easy to use for creating reports in connected thermography. We can bring images into your EAM CMS systems, and in some cases, drive integration where the need for reports is completely eliminated. Now, on this slide, I just want to briefly share. You know, Fluke has a full range of cameras. In this slide, I've got the I'm sharing, showing, showcasing the four most common cameras that are used in an industrial commercial manufacturing application. There are certainly more expensive cameras and there's some less expensive cameras, but these four are the ones that, um, you know, there's variation in temperature capability, distance spot ratio, 
uh, focus capability, but these are the ones that um, I see most common in thermography asset health management applications. Now, connected reliability, connected thermography. You know, Fluke has a broad vision for our connected reliability ecosystem. And this diagram shows how the parts work together. You know, the, the, the vision is simple of uniting the three key elements, the asset condition data, the asset management system, your EIM, CMS, and the maintenance team in a way that, you know, bring data to the right place at the right time for the right person to make the right decision. Eliminating unplanned downtime, operating more effectively and efficiently. And, the, you know, I really like this. Knowledge is the center of that ecosystem, the vision. The experience of your team, the tribal knowledge you have about your facility, the production operations, the foundational asset information in the AM CMS system. With connected thermography, we want to leverage this connected data, build on the knowledge of the team to provide greater insights and better outcomes. So let's talk, let's start digging a little bit deeper into this. In qualitative asset health management, and, and this is, you know, qualitative asset health management, it, it's a key principle of thinking in terms of your assets health in terms of green, yellow, red. We're not suggesting, we're not, you know, quantitative, you're trying to accurately measure and determine is the temperature 100.4 versus 100.9. But for asset health management, a, you know, we recommend and, and advocate a far better approach, a simpler approach, more sustainable approach, is to optimize the people and process around the asset health. And again, you know, now we certainly recommend the, the reliability engineer that's organizing, leading the program should be fully trained in thermography. Again, one, you know, they're, they're going to lead and drive improvements to the program, but then one way to simplify a program from a people standpoint is your maintenance technicians are trained on how to take a quality image that is in focus. In other words, we're performing asset screening and we've already decided, you know, we'll, we'll talk about laying out processes where you've already decided what's green, what's yellow, what's red. So the decision-making, the technician doesn't have to worry about, am I making the right decision? You know, I, I, was, I was working on, I visited one client and we're talking about thermography and the maintenance manager shared his, and they, they, had, they had used thermography for a number of years. And his, the maintenance manager, his one frustration was, he didn't see the value in the program. And his, his frustration was that the team was performing thermography inspections and they create a report and they report to say that, oh, this asset is, is uh, nine degrees hotter than it was the last time we took the inspection three months ago. 
and they're looking for the maintenance manager to make the decision about whether that was good or bad. And so, in a sense, they were creating a lot of activity around thermography, but they weren't making an outcome-based decision. So that's why it really becomes important. And that's really, this is one of the key differences of this approach. Fluid connected thermography, we're focused on qualitative asset health management where the people in process are optimized for the program. Route-based asset screening is standardized. Leverage the capability of your CMS, your EAM system. Define standard procedures, define standard work. Define upfront what's good, what's bad. A simple starting point is to understand nameplate ratings or, or new specifications of asset and then make an assumption that a 10C or 18F increase is an alert yellow level and a 20C, 36 degree increase is, is red. That's a starting point. Then you can build on that from there. In the Indian solution, you take an image, you store it in the cloud, images are reviewed and corrective action is required. It's a, and of course, it's a best practice, start with a small program, think through the complete workflow who wants to see the images? Who needs data to make a decision? Your team's busy. If there's steps that aren't needed, that's effectively waste. But build an end-to-end -end process and then scale it across your organization, across the facilities. And again, you know, we're really advocating leverage the capability because, and then my next slide, I'll actually dive a little bit deeper in that, you know, standard work. Leveraging the capability of your CMS system, you can enable asset screening with repeatability by using detailed work orders and detailed procedures. You know, follow lean principles, standard work description of asset screening, because you, you want images to be comparable, standardized on the camera settings. You know, even we make recommendations, for example, to mark locations on an asset, you know, paint a target on the asset and even paint a line. You know, one client we worked with them, they, they put a purple dot on an asset, and then they actually painted two feet on the floor and labeled them TI. What are they doing? They're reducing variability. They, you know, to do that PM inspection, every image is taken from the same distance, at the same angle, with the same settings, and now, you've got a set of standardized images that can be compared across asset classes, across facilities, across an enterprise. I know I worked with, and, and you know, it's not rocket science. I, I was with one client walking the facility with the maintenance manager, and he shared that he was working on belt-driven blower fans. And across multiple facilities, his mean time to fail was about 18 months on the bearings. And he did have one facility that was better than the 18 months, and he had another facility that was worse than the 18 months. And so that's where standardized work, even though different technicians all taken the images in their facility, with standardized work, he could then compare images across multiple facilities and start to drive insights about the motor and bearing health in that belt-driven blower fan application. 
thermography is widely used and and yeah two-thirds of the audience today is has some level of thermography program today but thermography can quickly measure and compare heat signatures in an inspection route without disrupting operations if the temperature is increased from the previous readings a corrective worker has been generated and diagnosed further diagnosis with uh, you know in some cases additional technologies to determine the source of the problem you know maybe you've got an increase in temperature then you want to check you know what's what's the current what's is there is there a problem with the uh, the power supply now, I'll spend a little bit more time talking about you know applications um, electrical application got a few images here you know, hot phase is that, you know, looks like the upper, upper right, excuse me, upper left, that's uh, most likely high resistance. In the middle image, two phases are warmer than the third. Again, taking this image, we quickly identify we need to investigate further. High resistance on a substation connection. Having difference in three phases you know is it a matter of there's a problem with the power or is it a problem with the corrosion in that in that fuse in that connector in that is there a a uh, circuit breaker that's undersized properly in electrical applications predictive maintenance is all about identifying issues before they become a serious problem you want to maintain capacity you know, capacity assurance term we use and at the same time, reducing costs. And another slide kind of recap for electrical. Harmonics, unbalanced loads, overloaded. You know, many of our facilities are 10, 20 or more years old and and machine tools change. There's there's processes that are changed and maybe an electrical system that was, you know, even production rates change, maybe electrical system is fine at one point now you've got an overloaded branch somewhere of course now mechanical uh equally in predictive maintenance you know thinking thermally mechanical systems misalignment creates heat motors and hydraulic power units a quick comparative review will show one motor is running hotter than the rest it's it's really very this is a very good application for thinking in terms of green yellow red you know you may recall i think we all recall that you know heat's the silent killer of electric motors if you increase winding temperatures you know, i think 10 degrees above the rating of the, the insulation rating of the motor will cut the insulation life in half of course, thermography works great for mechanical applications because you're inspecting it while the equipment's running. There's no disruption of operations. As I mentioned, mechanical issues, you know, misalignment of a of a conveyor belt, of a uh, belt driven fan, misalignment will show up as as increased heat. Motor windings, insulation resistance shows up as heat. And then in the process application, um, insulation is, of course, 
insulation breakdown will show up as a hotspot. And particularly, you know, in, in high temperature applications like a cement kiln, uh, if that insulation breaks through the shell, then you've got a um, uh, you've got a major problem. So this is a great application. You want to make sure that you proactively understand the condition of insulation in high temperature applications. Have you know have a good prediction of when you know what that degradation when's that uh, when that when that has to be repaired. Tank levels and, and not just you can you know you can use the heat principles to check quickly check a tank level, but also are there deposits? You know, deposits in some systems will show up as a, a difference in heat. The, the thermal capacitance of the liquid versus air, liquid versus a deposit, will show up as a as a thermal signature. Steam traps are again quick and easy to check for um, um, for whether they're working properly. Michael, we did get one question uh, come in that is uh, shows folks are thinking about these examples. Um, the question is, how might asset managers deal with the logarithmic increase in temperature and trending those scenarios when a temperature increase isn't linear and comes on suddenly? Um, so that yeah that that is always a challenge, and, and particularly like uh, and particularly like a, a cement kiln is a good example where uh, your refractory material may in some cases it's um, you know four inches 100 millimeters thick, and so degradation of that refractory material um, will start to show as a crevice or as a spot as a point, um, and then it will it can quickly erode um and and uh, breach your your kiln um that that i mean fundamentally that that needs to be part of the failure modes and effect criticality analysis you you know those assets you would list them as a higher risk because there is that uh um kind of the exponential spike in temperature that when uh, when things do change rapidly but yes that that um that needs to be incorporated in that failure modes failure mode and effect criticality analysis and have part of the the screen the, you know the, the screen frequency because of it that makes total sense so there's there's some ability actually to predict that based on the failure mode uh, characteristic of that asset and, and in particular, in some cases, for example, if you see in again a refractory insulation, you know maybe perhaps the inspection interval is once every three months. Uh, if if I start to see some degradation, I would potentially be recommending then that the next inspection. So so now it's gone to yellow. My corrective action would be I'm going to inspect it once a month or perhaps once every two weeks as opposed so i i bring down my inspection interval once i get into the yellow zone i it, you know a typical asset management yellow you think in terms of hey there's an alert i got some degradation the next time we've got a scheduled maintenance let's take some action versus red let's take some action today well some assets like a cement kiln your yellow indication 
would mean I want to inspect more frequently more frequently to make sure I don't have a runaway condition. So yeah, those are all those are all that's that's really a great example of how you know we really need to put together a detailed program so that you know we avoid you know a, a failure like that even though you're doing thermography that also could undermine confidence in a program so your your program needs to be detailed and that's where we'd advocate leverage the capability of your eam cms system so that you've got an asset by asset it's not a broad brush it's a very detailed program of each asset class what's the fire mode effects what is the asset management plan for that asset appreciate that good question um, managing data and reports so i mentioned all fluke cameras are fluke connect we you know we certainly believe and advocate cloud storage of images is preferred for you know especially multi-site enterprise organization uh, we want to you know certainly help and talk to your team about when they're taking an image you know take advantage of text notes voice notes add the notes about the operating context about the environment if you're taking an image outside what's the temperature like and then we have a software application in FC desktop for analysis and reports. You want to create a template again. You want to try to keep this simple. We don't this. We don't want this to be complicated. You you've got a lot of work to do, but we tag images by an asset ID. That way, then you can group images by asset classes, by facility. You have a hierarchy of how you how those images are saved in the cloud, and then of course. In some cases, you know, we like to work on integration right into the AIM CMS system that, that in some cases you don't need to create a report, your asset record. And in this slide, you know, we've integrated this, this example, email CMS, integrating the thermography into your asset health management system. Again, it, it bringing data to your asset view Bring all the data so that you've got the data in the right place, the right person. In some cases, you can eliminate reporting. Your maintenance planner has maintenance history, but also they can have, you know, perhaps a thumbnail strip of all the images related to that asset. Understanding the asset health, we can create trend lines, center point temperature, take actions directly from that asset view. Personally, my my preferred view in assets is is a baseline view. You've declared what a baseline is. This is my green image. And then in your asset view, you've got the most recent image. So you've got, you know, kind of this snapshot of what's our baseline and where are we at today. So it starts to bring me kind of kind of you know start to summarize a bit here. So we you know I gone through some slides about putting a program together in asset health management, you know, an asset-centric view, failure modes affect critical analysis, all, and then with thermography, you want to think thermally about asset health management, but, but 
qualitative asset health management, people, process, and technology, in, in a complete workflow, we'd advocate, we'd recommend leverage the scheduling capability of your EAM CMS system to have the right asset screening at the right interval. You know, recall that an electric motor could anywhere, be anywhere from every three months to as long as 29 months. And the question about, you know, what if there's exponential temperature runaway? Well, then, you know, you've got to maybe screen every three months. And if you see some degradation, you want to screen every two weeks or every one month. Detailed procedures and task lists in your, you know, use process capability of your CMS system to ensure images are repeatable and comparable across the organization. Because then with a cloud-based store, you want to build knowledge on your team, tag images, tag the images with asset IDs that are collected in that route-based asset screening. And again, it's a best practice to add voice text notes as you take that image so you capture the context of you know is it hot is it cold today what is the production running are they running at 110 percent of production capacity or are they running at 50 percent now with fluke connect in a smartphone you can save each image and and tag them as you take them or uh with the camera you can go do an entire inspection route and then um uh, save them once you get back to the office. And once in the cloud, again, you can collaborate, edit, move into a report template, and depending on your EAM system, you you know you can maybe automatically you, you maybe automatically sync them into an asset view. Building knowledge, building knowledge of your team, with your team, but also providing the right information at the right place, the right person to make the right decision. That's, that's referred to as the rights of asset health management. So got a couple more slides, but let me, uh, I wanna, Leah, if you could start another poll here, I, I guess I wanna, I'd like to have maybe some insight. What are the biggest barriers you've experienced in growing your asset health management program? So the poll should be open for everyone now and have at it. You only get to select one answer. And I know that there may be multiple reasons or multiple barriers that you face in growing your asset management program, but uh, select the one that is the most pertinent. Is it a lack of resources, lack of expertise, lack of effective change management, complications because of the pandemic or something else? And again, we'd like to get as many people as possible because Michael plans to use these answers to then give a little more advice on how to grow and sustain your asset management program using thermography. So all of this sort of standard work advice he's been giving us. We've got about 60% of the audience. I can get just a few more votes in there. Is it resources, expertise, change management, pandemic or something else that's holding you back. All right, I'm going to close out the poll here and share the results. Okay, Michael, we've got a pretty just good distribution here. 27 27% say it's a lack of resources. 26% say it's a lack of expertise. 30% say a lack of effective change management. 4% 
reference the pandemic and 14% say something else. Okay. Very good. Well, I appreciate everybody sharing their, uh, their feedback there. Um, Cause now I want to talk about making connected demography programs sustainable. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, I think it's been written. There's many articles talking about best practices and condition-based maintenance that you deliver some wins, scale a program. Programs have still failed. Um, continuous improvement, lean principles, as you build knowledge in a sustainable asset management program are, there, there, there are some keys. There are some key steps in implementing change, sustaining a program. You know, in the deployment phase, when building the program and deployment, you want to clearly, one thing, you want to clearly identify the team members and the stakeholders, and then make sure there's a familiarization of the team and stakeholders. Make sure level set everybody on the goals of the Connected Thermography program. I would advocate, we certainly believe, data standardization, workflows, and procedures. Define up front what's green, yellow, red. What actions be taken when? This is this is one one of the keys of success of, of of a program. And then implementation planning. You know, be intentional about how you're going to implement. Because you know things happen. COVID happens. Uh, you know, so so you need to make sure you have a plan. Don't this is asset health management thermography is not a program that you want to do in an ad hoc manner. Be intentional. Standard working procedures are key to having a quality thermal image that's repeatable. And standard working procedures also makes it key where you have a team and if one person leaves, you, your whole program doesn't fall apart. Leveraging the scheduling process capabilities of your EAM system ensures the right number of asset screenings occur. And you want to think in terms of complete workflows. Training, role-based training, you want to make sure each person has the right amount of training to where they can perform their role properly. You know, the stakeholder doesn't need the same amount of training as a technician. And again, be intentional, not just in implementation, but also in the go-live plan for the program. You know, what's a pilot? What's success of the pilot? What's, what are we going to do to scale? And then, of course, part of it, visual management and communication of the wins helps drive engagement across the team and also keeps the stakeholder leadership group engaged. Business impact, value of the program, you need to communicate those to continue support from the leadership. And then a periodic continuous improvement review is important for sustainability. Improving the standard work descriptions Especially if you get, you know, I, I, years ago I managed facilities, multiple locations, multiple different work cultures, and it's important to have a defined continuous improvement review. Give the team the opportunity to improve how the work is done. Showcase, recognize if one person says, I've got a better way to do this. Optimize the schedules, build the knowledge, learn, improve the reporting. Because all that's going to do is it's going to build a program that increases in value. 
no program can remain static. Certainly this year, you know, events beyond your control forced you to make changes in business and staff and production levels. Continuous improvement in a sustainable program, again, build the knowledge of the team, enhance the value, leverage the capability of your CMS EAM system for a connected thermography program in asset health management. So this is a, you know, I hope Eric has um, learned a little bit from the presentation today. I know this is a topic that uh, uh, I'm certainly very excited about. I've had uh, some opportunity to work in this area, work with clients, and um, look forward to uh, continue to work with people in uh, in Connect with the Margaret program. So we, we got some time here for questions. Leah, do we have any questions in the questions tab? We do indeed. Um, I'm going to try to summarize some of these. So um, for clients who are currently using a camera um, where they have uh, a thermography guy to, to look at what I'm seeing here, um, who's doing the routes, right? What, what changes would you recommend for them to advance their program? So, so you, you have a thermography person, um, what, what I would, you know, what I, my simple recommendation would be, I would look to leverage, you know, recognize that person for the knowledge that he has put together and effectively make them a team lead for scaling across an organization. You know, how can you, how can you capture what that person does and scale it where now you've got a team of people that are doing thermography or what what decisions has he learned about assets that you can then standardize you know in a sense recognize that person ask him to create a legacy you know in the book of life what did he write about asset health management publish it to your organization and and really recognize him for the great work he's done but in effect, you want to capture that knowledge and institutionalize it in terms of standard work where you now have greater flexibility in organization and you're going to make it more sustainable. So yes, there, there's a principle there of, of you know, challenge him to create a legacy to build some knowledge, to, to, to create a book of knowledge that he has and share it across the organization. Okay. And it sounds like you're advocating that that person or the, the people who are studying the failure modes and the asset criticality are loading as much of that asset profile into the CMMS or the, or the EAM. And then the, the data from the images, as it comes in, as it's added to that record, is that an automated analysis that something is... is is doing or is it still the thermographer or the level two or whoever it is who is comparing the new data against the profile? Um, that's that's a great question. Um, and it will be highly dependent on where you are as an organization and what CMS EAM system you have. Um, 
And and I guess I would a principle that I I've, I've learned from change management training some time ago would be, um, you know, write it write it you know think about it. if I'm going to write a news article uh, five years from now it's it's um, what is it 2025 about my asset health management program um, certainly today it's dependent on what EIM's CMS system as to how much integration can be done there. But in principle, with the connected data, connected reliability framework, those are decisions that can be made. You, you can configure the, you configure data flows. I'm, I'm, I'm almost rambling here. You configure data flows like you configure, think through, configure workflows. In a work order, you know, is it automatically signed? Do you have, does somebody review it? The same thing happens with temperature data. It, do you automatically generate a corrective work order or do you want the maintenance planner or the reliability engineer to review and issue a corrective work order from there? So you configure data flows. Again, it's, it's, it's somewhat dependent on where your EAM system is. Um, and sometimes we even talk in terms of what, what integration is available today versus what integration is available you know, in six, 12 months or something. Okay. We also have several questions here about level of training. So whether, you know, who or how many people need a certificate, certificate level, training level one, level two, uh, or can it be just operational training? So we would always recommend the person in charge of the program, the reliability engineer that's, that's, making the recommendation about what's green, yellow, red. We'd always recommend that person be formally trained and hold a level one or preferably even a, a level two certified thermographer training. Uh, across an organization, you know, it, it is sufficient. Again, this, this and it, it depends on how you, you put the program together, but where we advocate when you're, in connected thermography, where you're leveraging the standard work capability of your EAM system, where you're leveraging the process capability, you're simplifying the work to be performed. So now that maintenance technician, he needs training on how to use the camera, how to take a quality image, how to follow the instructions on the work order, and what operating context he needs to capture along with the image. So it greatly simplifies, you know, with the standard work, with the asset criticality, with defining every, defining these processes and procedures, you simplify the training needs for that PDM technician. And that's really one of the key principles of helping make the program sustainable because you're, you're not, in a sense, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket that one person has all the knowledge. You're, sure. you're training people how to take a quality image and then you know you're building their knowledge as they learn as they get experience they're going to understand more and more about thermography okay and we do have some very specific questions about emissivity and so forth and specific cameras that we will follow up with you audience members about afterward um okay. and michael it sounds like a lot of people heard your reference that fluke also provides support services and training so real quick since we're almost out of time is that something they can follow up with you about yes uh, reach out to us we do have a 
you know, we can facilitate training services, we can facilitate subject matter experts to help put a program together, uh, procedures, et cetera, et cetera. So, so we've got a, you know, a variety of resources available that can help people put programs together. Good. We got a lot of really good questions, Michael, and I think you'll want to take a look at these afterward. And folks, we will get okay. back to you with answers. Um, I can tell that you guys are all in the midst of some really good work. Thank you for that. And Michael, if you will forward to the next slide for me. Sure. I want to call out the next presenter we have coming up. Um, if you imagine somebody of Michael's experience, but for condition monitoring for vibration analysis, um, Colin Pickett has a tremendous amount of experience and he is an excellent storyteller and he uses his experience as he's training. So this session will be on best practices for condition monitoring and vibration analysis. And I think you'll really enjoy it. So I hope to see you then on November 11th. And then if you'll forward one more time, I, I do believe, Michael, that you're going to be making an appearance at Accelerate and I heard you might be doing some live demos. Is this true? Yes, we're going to have, uh, we will have, we're going to have a section on connected thermography and we're, then we're also going to have a demo day where we're going to be um, doing some demonstration of connected thermography in, um, in the EMATE CMS. Yes. Excellent. For those of you who haven't attended before, Accelerate is a once-a-year instruction-focused conference that Fluke stages for uh, maintenance and reliability professionals who want to improve their asset management health program. So I encourage you all to follow that link there and have a look. There's a lot of education opportunities available for reliability, operations, monitoring, AM, CMMS, so forth. And then one more click, if you don't mind, Michael. Please stay online, everyone, after I close the webinar because that survey I mentioned will appear. And we'd love to get your feedback not only on today's session, but on what else you'd like to hear about. And then let us know if you want that certificate. Okay. Uh, we will send you a copy of this, uh, of the slides from today, and the recorded webinar will be available on excelx.com within a day or two. So thank you so much, Michael. This was a ton of knowledge. Wonderful of you to present, and uh, we hope to have I, you back. I really, I really appreciate the time. Uh, I appreciate everybody's time, you know, listening in today. This, this is something that uh, I've been working on. Very excited about uh, helping people build sustainable programs. It's we've seen some really good, good success with this. Wonderful. All right. Well, have a good day, everyone, and we'll see you back next time. Goodbye for now.